0: Hey, welcome to the show. Today I have such a treat for you. I'm going to help you sleep like deep and delicious, waking up feeling so refreshed and like 10 years younger. Sleep. Well, I'm not. My guest is her name is Janet Whalen, and I'll tell you more about her bio in the, when the interview rolls, but let me tell you how this interview came about. I had just got a whoop band. And so for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a Fitbit, but it just really focuses specifically on your recovery metrics, including your sleep. And I wrote a newsletter about how I was trying to match my exertion during my day to my recovery data that I was collecting from my whoop band. And I got an email reply from someone named Janet saying, Hey, I'm a sleep expert specializing in middle-aged women. And uh, you might not want to do that anymore. And I was like, you're a sleep expert for middle-aged women, would you be willing to come and answer some questions from my clients? Because if you've read my book, you know that one of the seven habits of highly healthy motherfuckers is just go the fuck to sleep. But sleeping is not my area of expertise. In fact, this is an area that I used to find really challenging before I had this chat with Janet that you are about to hear. So a couple of things I want to tell you about this interview. One, this is not about like sleep hygiene and keeping your room calm and cool and melatonin and all that stuff. I promise you that you will hear new information about sleep in this interview. And if consistent, deep sleep is a challenge for you, you will leave this interview with a new plan and better yet, a whole new way of thinking about sleep. Second thing about this interview, my sound quality in this interview is awful. So This interview happened pre-podcast. I was just going live in my group so Janet can answer questions for my clients. But for some reason, I sound like I am wearing a mascot head in this interview and also swimming underwater. And I'm really sorry for that, but it doesn't matter because I'm not saying anything interesting. And Janet's sound is great. And what she is about to tell you is absolute gold. Check it out.
1: Ready to break up with your bullshit? I mean, all those excuses that are keeping you stuck because you have one life to live. And if you're not having fun yet, then that's a problem, dude. Welcome to Goals, Grit, and Some Woo Woo Shit, the podcast where you learn about the habits of kicking ass at life. Whether you want to get ripped, get rich, or just get high on life, this is the place to be. Here's your host, best selling author and feel good expert, Una Duncan. I am so excited to introduce you to Janet. So, Janet Whalen is a sleep and self-care coach for midlife moms, (laughs) a former insomniac of 40 plus years, holy moly, Janet, turned great sleeper. Janet is passionate about helping women give themselves permission to sleep, rest, and care for themselves after years of giving everything to family and others. Janet's membership coaching program, Permission to Sleep, helps her members sleep better, listen to this, guys, sleep better in eight weeks or less without pills potions, or needing anyone's permission but their own. Janet is a certified life coach with the Life Coach School and also trained at CTI as a coactive coach. She's also trained in CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Now she's empty nesting in Southern Ontario with her husband of almost 25 years and can be found reading, kayaking, hiking, and working in her garden when she's not talking about sleep. So, Janet, thank you so much for being here. When I read Slave Coach for Middle-Aged Women, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) And when I posted that you were coming, there were so many questions. And the first thing that struck me is how similar so many of the questions were. Yeah. And even, I'll tell you the first one right off the bat, because when I read it, I was like, that's me. And I didn't know anyone else was like that. So I'll tell you the first one right off the bat. Okay. I go to sleep totally fine no problem. My head hits the pillow at like 9.30 and I'm out and I'm happy for it. And then I wake up at three. And some of them are saying, I'm not even particularly stressed. It's just that I wake up and then my mind starts to go. So can you tell us about that pattern? First of all, because I thought I was the only one and apparently so did everyone else.
2: No, I'm putting my hand up too. So it's totally common. This happens to many, many women, more women than men. So what happens in the middle of the night and the reason it's happening three, four, usually like that's sort of the typical time, right? Yeah. We sleep lighter as the night goes on. So there's five different sleep phases. We sort of know them as three, like there's light sleep, deep and REM and REM is sort of when we're dreaming and creating memories and our brain is wearing down pathways for memories and information and stuff. Deep sleep is sort of our physical recovery, right? It's when our growth growth hormone is highest, when our immune system is most active, we're, we're working on recovering from just a lot of daytime activity. And then mm-hmm. there's light sleep. Lights, so light sleep is, is the sort of second half of the night. It's actually 50% of your night. So you're circling through these sleep stages, like one at a time, you go through a whole stage, and then you probably wake up a little bit. And then you go through a whole stage, and you probably wake up a little bit again. Yep. most people wake up a little and don't even know it. Other people, particularly women wake up because of other reasons, <laughs> our hormones, right? So if you're in midlife, and you're in perimenopause, and your hormones are kind of all over the map, or if it's the week before your period, these are the times when we're probably most likely to wake up in the night. And so what happens is you might have a hot flash or just some reason that you know your body told you to wake up. You hit the nail on the head. It was not stress that woke you up. It was your sleep cycles and it was maybe your hormones. It might have even been a noise in your house or your dog or who knows what.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What keeps us awake is our thoughts about it. So as soon as you start having stress about... You know, I should be asleep, right? It's not the middle of the night. I should be asleep. That's what starts to cause the stress. And then you start having conversations in your head about your ex-boyfriend from high school and what you should have said to that girl down the street when she didn't like your jeans and when you were 14, right? So How are you in my head? (laughs) Totally normal. I'll give you a a tip for all the people who are struggling with this. What you want to do is... Neutralize that thinking, right? Get all the dramatic stuff out of that. So you say to yourself, okay, I'm awake. What's really happening here? What's the truth of this situation? I'm awake. It's the middle of the night. It's dark outside. Other people are asleep. Those are the only true things that are happening. Everything else is a drama that I'm creating in my mind right now. If I can just focus on the truth, I can keep myself calm and I can likely go back to sleep. There's nothing that says we should be asleep at three o'clock in the morning.
1: Okay, I love this. I love this. I totally think this is true. And I also think ah, maybe I'm just really attached to my drama. That, yeah. But if I'm awake now, I'm not going to function tomorrow. Yeah. Because I know that that's true. I think that's true. Help me with that thought. You think that's true. It's probably okay. not true. It's one of the most
2: common insomniac thoughts there is. And so I'll just... We mentioned, I mentioned this just before we started recording here, but like, we have to think of sleep and insomnia as kind of two different things. Insomnia doesn't really have very much to do with sleep at all. Insomnia is a worry about being awake in the night. It is stressful, negative, automatic thoughts about sleep that are probably inaccurate. It is unmanaged stress from during the day. It's several things. It's mostly about stress, but sleep... Like some people can have some stress and still sleep because they have different tools to manage the stress, right? But if you don't have any tools to manage your stress, that's when you can end up with some difficulty sleeping. And so, and I say that with a caveat too, because difficulty sleeping and insomnia are different things. So chronic insomnia is when difficulty sleeping lasts for three months or more and happens Three nights a week or more, right it's like a mm. long term it starts to it starts to cement itself because of bad habits and behaviors that we, we kind of pile on top of each other like you know the princess and the peas and she's got like eighteen mattresses mm. to try not to feel that pee anymore right we're trying mm-hmm. to avoid a feeling that we don't want to feel, which is usually some negative feeling attached to our stress or something that happened during our day. And so we go grab a weighted blanket or we take melatonin or we take a pill that's going to make us feel drowsy, whether that's over the counter or something else, just because we're just desperate to not struggle with our sleep, right? So I think I'm getting (laughs) kind of off the topic of the original question, but it's because we're attached to our drama. We believe our drama is true. We believe the like whatever is the true number, I don't think anyone knows, but it's like 12 to 60,000 thoughts we have during the day, right? You think of that like a ticker along the bottom of a news show, like, you know, on CNN, where there's constantly the little thing that Mm -hmm. scrolls along, Mm -hmm. your brain's doing that to you all day long. Mm -hmm. And we're deciding, I'm going to think, I'm going to believe that one. I'm going to believe that one. I'm going to believe that one. Instead of conditioning our brain to serve us up thoughts that serve us, instead Mm -hmm. of that are not helpful, right? Like these dramatic ones.
1: Okay. okay. So I wake up at three and I'm like, oh, I'm awake. Oh no. Oh no. I'm not going to be able to function tomorrow. So next step is like, okay, is that true? Cause you functioned on little sleep before yeah, and you're just tired. That's okay. You won't yeah. die. Like You won't die. Yeah. won't
2: die. Several things like, Hey, you won't die. Insomnia is not fatal for anyone. No one's ever died from it it's a terrible idea to get in your car. If you're tired, for sure. We know this. It's like, you know, being drunk, you do not want to drive exhausted, but it is not a disease. It's not an illness. You're not, you can't, you're not going to like cure it because you're a human. And sometimes we have nights where we don't sleep worse than others, but you will get through your day. You've gotten through other days. We have tons of evidence that we've gotten through days before, we mm-hmm. feel like crap because we told ourselves in the middle of the night, we're not going to get through the day. We've literally created a self-fulfilling prophecy by having that thought at 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sleep now. I'm not going to, I'm going to have a terrible day. My meeting is going to be terrible. Everyone's going to know that I'm tired yeah. and I'm not going to yeah. be able to pull this off. And so what do you think happens? Right. Right. It's kind okay. of like, I always it's say, beautiful. if if our brains will create a self-fulfilling prophecy and we know this happens with our thoughts, then why not create one that that works for us.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I love this. This is amazing. Thank you. But actually before we move from on to that, the, I will survive. I'll just be tired. Would you say that's the best, most empowering script? Or do you have another script that you can offer?
2: I think that people? one is like, so they're what I call like ladder thoughts, right? We can't go from everything is terrible. I'm going to die to, mm-hmm oh, it's the land of roses and daisies and I'm going to be perfectly fine tomorrow. Your brain isn't going to buy that at first because you don't have any evidence. Like you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Mm. So if you can get a thought that's partway there, like say what you said again, I'm...
0: This episode is brought to you by the Masters of Fitness Awesomeness Program. Here's someone who wants to tell you what that is.
1: I'm Deanna Spindler. I am 43. I uh, joined the 28-Day Transformation and followed up with MFA and it has been so awesome. To anyone who is considering joining, if you want to feel good in your own skin, then do it. If you want to gain some confidence, then do it. You're absolutely going to feel better. So those are my words about the MFA. I've loved it. Having a great time and super pumped even just to be able to send this over. Thanks. Oh, you know, you'll just be tired. It's okay, won't I? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of like a part way there one, right? Yeah. Uh, One that one that you could get to eventually through practice. And this is a practice, like not gonna lie, this is similar to weight loss, right? (laughs) Or fitness Mm -hmm. routine or anything. We Mm. have to we have to work at this. Is Well, there's several. So one is I've had my core sleep. Five and a half hours is what we consider biological core sleep. You can function for any number of nights on that amount of sleep. It's not ideal, but you can function and you've done it before. You'll do it again. Right. All I, all my body needs is my core sleep. I'm just fine. Right. That's one way. So then you're not cementing. I'm, I'm going to be tired. Right. Like in your first thought, you're like, it's okay. I'm just tired. Well, maybe you're really not. You're awake. Why are you awake? Your body woke you up for a reason. Like maybe you just don't need to be asleep right now. So that's another one. Like, it's okay. I'm just awake. Like nothing's gone wrong here. Right. That's another one that I, I like to say is like, there's nothing wrong. If my body wanted to be asleep right now, it would be,
1: I'm good. If I, I fall it. back asleep, I will, right? Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let me get into, because I got selfish there and asked my question first. <laughs> okay. Here's another big one. Here's a big one. Okay. Someone said, <laughs> I have no trouble sleeping. I have yeah. no trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, but I do not want to go to bed. I always have one more thing to do. I have FOMO. And then someone posted an article yeah. about revenge. Revenge, bedtime, bedtime procrastination. <laughs> Yes. And a million people were like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Okay. So can you talk about that?
2: This one is my favorite because I totally suffered from this. And this was one of the key things that I stopped doing to help fix my sleep. So what what is happening? It's like pretty much any other kind of procrastination, right? And women suffer from this far more than men. And I think it's because we're you know we're just super busy and we've got we need to be an octopus right we have so many roles that we have to play and so many things that we have to do and so by the time we finish the things we think we have to do there's no more time for the things we want to do so instead of learning to schedule our day to fit in the things that are good for us and and like take into account self-care and know that if i do these things like get in a workout and eat really well and take some time to meditate and read my book that I've been trying to read forever. If I don't schedule that in for the day, then I'm going to be pretty pissed off by the time I go to bed that I had no time for myself. And then I'm just going to be like, well, screw this. I need to stay up now because I'm not going to bed today without taking an hour for myself. Right. But then you're taking it away. You're taking it from yourself. (laughs) You're not actually taking it for yourself. Right. Yeah. So especially if you do it when you're already drowsy. So because bedtime is is a funny thing. People tend to think of bedtime as like when the news is over, when my partner goes to bed, you know, when people are supposed to go to bed. We don't actually go to bed typically when we're feeling drowsy, which is what we need to relearn to do. Right. We're pretty great at not recognizing our sleepiness signals anymore because Mm -hmm. we do what you just said we're cleaning the kitchen, we're getting all the stuff done that we need to get done at the end of the night. And Mm. we need to also remember to take some wind down time because sleep is not a on off switch. It's like a dimmer and we need Mm. to ease into it. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the bedtime procrastination is an even bigger deal. If you are drowsy, you know, your body wants to go to sleep and you still stay up. Yeah. Right? That's a yeah. sign that you really need to be looking at your daytime routine. Like there's nothing wrong with your bedtime routine or your morning routine. Probably this is about your daytime. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So they just need to clear parts of their day so they can get to do that stuff that they want to stay up and do.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's that's not it. quite as simple as that, but it's a sign that that's not happening. Right. It's a sign mm. that you are not taking yourself into account during the day enough. Like you're probably just run ragged and. Yeah. If you're really feeling like you have to sacrifice sleep to get me time.
1: Yeah. I love what you said. You think you're giving yourself the hour, but you're, you're taking it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So then what about people who get their seven to eight hours and they are not rested? Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting one.
2: So I the first thing that I do when I hear that is suggest that you see your doctor and maybe have a sleep study because there are several, and that's not something I do. Like I'm a coach. I'm not a doctor. and I'm not a therapist. Yes. Right. I don't yeah. diagnose and treat. However, um, being sleepy during the day or not feeling rested is a sign of sleep apnea and a couple other sleep disorders. You're waking mm-hmm. up so many times in the middle of the night that you're literally not, you think maybe you were asleep for seven or eight hours, but you really weren't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and often that's a sign that that's what's going on. However, you could get a sleep study, find out you don't have sleep apnea or anything else. And what's really going on is you have a thought that, well, I read somewhere I need to get eight to 10 hours, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm trying and I'm wearing my Fitbit and it's telling me I'm still only getting seven. And and it doesn't matter what I do, I still get the same numbers every day. And now I'm super frustrated because every day it tells me the same thing and I don't know what to do. So (laughs) that's where I'm like, okay, take a calm, take a big breath (laughs) and know that seven hours is actually... healthiest amount of time for an adult to sleep. We need less and less sleep as we age. So I would also need to know the age of this person who's asking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, less and less sleep as we age. Pay attention to your thoughts about how you feel, but like what you're what you're thinking about this amount of sleep. Right. What what else is going on during your day? Like it's not always about the sleep. It can be about your stress level during the day too, right? Because stress can make you tired.
1: Right, because one person said they seem to get a ton of sleep, but when that alarm, they said they go to. So they, I shouldn't say They they go to sleep at 10 p.m. easily, sleep the night through, and when the alarm goes off at 6 a.m., she said it is like crawling up through up, Like she has to have two alarms. It's the hardest thing in the world to get out of bed. Yeah, and so would that be an indicator of sleep quality, or is that something else? If, if you feel like your
2: sleep went well through the night and you weren't waking up a bunch and you have a sleep study and it shows you don't have sleep apnea or something else mm-hmm. going on, then I would say, I would ask a question. Why do you think waking up is supposed to feel like Tigger jumping out of his bed? Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe this is what it feels like to wake up. For this person. For yeah. a lot of people, right? Right, yeah. They're there's a thing called sleep inertia and you know how some people just start morning people and they're just really grumpy for like the first 45 minutes and you can't talk I, to them.
1: Yeah. I Is that you? you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am the opposite. Okay. Of that. I've had roommates that are like, no, me too. Space, Please, <laughs> my husband
2: and my youngest son are like this and they're just like, don't even talk to me for like yeah. an hour. <laughs> anyway, what's actually happening probably for them This this can happen for five minutes or it can happen for up to like 45 minutes. The different parts of your brain are kind of, if you think of them like a computer, they're kind of coming online at different times, right? So we're not fully thinking like our normal, rational, human planning, executive functioning self until they are all kind of awake and connected and working the way that they work during the day. This doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. This just means this is what it feels like for you to wake up in the morning. And it could just mean that this is what it feels like in this like five year period, right? Right. My, my other thing is like, does it go away? Like, does she feel better in a in a little Good while? Person. And if so, yeah. then fine, yeah. right? I wouldn't worry about it. It's this expectation that I should be able to just jump out of bed and put on my workout clothes and feel right, like right. I'm taking on the day. I don't know very many people that feel like that
1: right out of like right after they wake up. The theme that I'm hearing emerge is women pathologizing their own experiences around sleep. Mm -hmm. And would you find that that is generally the case? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Especially if they're struggling with insomnia, everything is terrible. Everything is a problem, right? Like, So my favorite thought was when I couldn't sleep for decades was, well, sleep is just for chumps. Like, why would I, why would I want to waste a third of my life in bed? That is the most ridiculous idea I have ever heard. Right. Like, when am I going to be productive? When am I going to read all these books? When I'm going to like, these people just don't know what I know. Right. (laughs) Right? Right. And I didn't realize I was just saying those things to myself to make myself feel better for how Mm -hmm. rotten I was
1: feeling. Right. Right. So, but what, are you saying that those were good thoughts because it helped you not pathologize the insomnia or are you saying don't go that far?
2: (laughs) No, I'm saying that's a
1: terrible (laughs) way to think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cause it it really made me just not even, like I, I was just kind of like, well, there's no hope for me, right? Like I was so far believing my negative thoughts that I didn't even look into, well, is there something I could do that, could make this better. And I see that a lot, right? I see a lot of times women are they're surviving and they're worried about so many other things. It's like, this is the last thing. And this has been going on so long. It just must be who I am. It just must be how I sleep. And there's a Mm -hmm. little bit of truth to that, right? Like we all need different, we have a, there's a large variety of sleep need across different people. Some people can get by with six hours, not a problem. They never have an issue. It is not it's just not a problem for them. Other people need eight and a half to feel really good. Like yeah. you need to, you need to really learn what feels good to you knowing yeah. that the incidence, like the lowest incidence of health issues and early death is tied to seven hours of sleep, not eight to 10. In fact, it goes up significantly right. the more, the more after like seven hours you get short sleep is actually healthier than long sleep.
0: Hey, dude, listen, if you feel like you are banging your head against a wall with your fitness goals, I want to invite you to book a free call with a member of my team. Listen, if we've got a program that will solve all of your problems and make your dreams come true, we will totally tell you. And if not, we will point you in the right direction. Either way, you are going to leave this call with a solid plan of action. You can book that call right now at fitfeelsgood.com slash call. All right, back to the episode.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. But okay, I feel like one of the reasons that women are pathologizing their experiences around sleep is because of devices. And that's actually how we got in touch. I wrote about my Whoop band and Janet emailed me back and said, hey, sleep coach here, just so you know, monitoring your sleep is not always the healthiest way to go. So could you talk a little bit about that? Because there's a lot of people who mention their Fitbit data When they were talking about their sleep. Yeah.
2: And that's how I started when I was first trying to figure out my sleep was my Fitbit. And what ended up happening is it just frustrated me because it kept telling me over and over again that I was only getting between six and six and a half hours of sleep and just making me more angry about it. Secondly, it gives us a lot of information, but what are you doing with that information? Mm. Right? Like, what does knowing how much REM and deep sleep you got last night? do for you how are you going to impact that the next night you you probably aren't right like you probably don't know (laughs) thirdly they're they're getting more accurate but they really they make these calculations based on how much you move in the night your heart rate a couple other things like whether you know it thought that you were awake you you need to be able to look at them as like a trend over time, not every single morning going, okay, what did it tell me, right? Yeah. You don't really like want to pay yourself it. on a scale. That's exactly it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, who knows why you gained a pound last week? Maybe it'll be gone next week. Like, we don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. There, it's exactly like that. These things have created a specific kind of insomnia called orthosomnia, which is basically defined as an obsession with your sleep data to the point where you've created insomnia for yourself. Because what happens when you're a good sleeper, you don't have any idea why you sleep well, you just do and you never think about it. And somebody who's an insomniac comes up and says, how do you do this? And you're like, what do you mean? I lie down and I go to sleep. (laughs) Like, What are you talking about? So focusing on that data and, and paying attention to it every day is actually a negative behavior for a lot of people. And if you're someone who tends to get obsessive about stuff like that, it might mm-hmm. be something that, you know, you might want to throw away. In my program, we use a, like a paper diary or, or a Google sheet, but we don't even calculate any data or information over. On these things until we have seven days. And that's because mm-hmm. we're looking for trends, right? We're not looking at, did I only sleep five hours last night and then eight hours the next night and whatever. I'm looking at what was the average of your seven days and how mm-hmm. did that compare to the average of your seven days last week and the week mm-hmm. before, right? So, mm-hmm. and we're
0: very focused on quality, not quantity. Okay. Hey, my friend, could you do me a quick favor? Could you subscribe and leave a review for this podcast? It's a small thing. You could do it in line while waiting at the coffee shop. But listen, that support makes all the difference for new podcasts like this one. It would absolutely make my day to see your review. Thanks, dude. Oh, and back to the podcast.
1: So that brings me to another question. Someone said their Fitbit is reporting that they never get, I forget whether it was deep sleep or REM sleep. I think it was deep sleep. She never, according to her Fitbit, she never gets deep sleep, Yeah. but it seems like she feels fine because she said, should I be worried? I mean,
2: I would probably go and talk to your doctor and question that because they mm-hmm. typically do a pretty good job of, of showing that, but, but who knows, right? Like it could be nothing. It could be her Fitbit's broken. It could yeah, yeah. be. It's unlikely that you're not getting deep sleep. So if that's what you're worried about, try not to worry about that. If that was the case, like you'd Mm -hmm. be suffering some, you'd be suffering. However, there are men, this is really cool, men in their 70s and 80s can almost drop their deep sleep stage almost entirely. It's very weird.
1: That is weird. I know. Okay. So that makes me want to shift to talking about aging. A lot of people have questions about noticing some changes in their sleep as they get older Mm -hmm. so one woman for example said you know she falls asleep early goes goes to bed doesn't overeat no alcohol past 7 p.m she wakes up after two hours and then she'll fall asleep go to sleep for another three hours etc and she says it runs in the family in perimenopause and she's asking if there's anything she can do and then someone else said yes i only got insomnia the week before my period and it's only started since i turned 40 there's yeah. not anything we can talk in general about the hormonal cocktail that we are all experiencing and yes. um, how yeah. we're really For sure. So she's not alone.
2: My biggest piece of advice, and this is going to sound really challenging, but, and I probably can't even explain it well enough in the short time that we have, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: the best thing we can do for situations like this is learn to kind of embrace wakefulness, right? right? Try not to be afraid of it. Try not to think something's gone wrong because you've woken up. That's where we get ourselves into trouble, right? It's like, well, human beings shouldn't wake up two times a night. Like, I shouldn't wake up two hours into my sleep. Well, says who? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We have actually lots of anthropological evidence that probably this is the way humans used to sleep yeah, for thousands sleep, right? of years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And maybe we woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and we stayed awake for a couple hours and we did some stuff and then we went back to sleep again. I mean, siesta cultures still kind of do this, right? They sleep in the afternoon when it's hot. The problem is we don't know why we sleep fully yet. We know a lot about sleep, but we still don't totally know why, which is fascinating. So I would say the hormonal thing is it's related to estrogen and progesterone, but I'll, I'll talk about progesterone first. So if we're talking to moms here and they've had babies, you know that like, think about the first few months of your pregnancy when you're like so tired, you could fall asleep like hanging from a tree branch, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's because your body's so full of progesterone to support your pregnancy that you're just like, it's like the world's best sleeping pill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah when you are in menopause and even in perimenopause and the week before your period, your progesterone is really low.
1: Mm. And
2: so it's tied with a neurotransmitter called GABA, which is also a relaxation uh, neurotransmitter. So what's happening is we don't have the kind of biological support for sleep when we're in middle age and menopause that men do, or that we had when we were younger. This does not mean something is wrong. This does not mean we need to fix it unless you want to melatonin. Most sleep researchers believe is not overly helpful for most people, except menopausal women and some elderly people who, who can tend to be like low on melatonin, right? Hmm. They think melatonin and estrogen are tied as well. So if your estrogen is low, maybe you do need a little melatonin support at a certain okay. time, but we all probably overdose on melatonin too. That's the other thing made very little. Like if you're someone who supplements with melatonin, you're probably taking too much. Like the, the dose that's recommended is like three milligrams. People are taking like 20. Is there a danger of taking too much? You can, you can cause the gland that creates it to stop creating it because your body thinks you're getting it. You can get some nasty headaches. You can have a hangover effect the next morning. Some people say it causes nausea. It just sort of depends on you, right? How it's working for you. Yeah. I don't know if I answered Mm -hmm. it, but it's a combination of knowing that yes, your hormones, it's actually a sign that everything's going the way it's supposed to, right? (laughs) This is what's supposed to happen to us. That sucks, but it's true. And if you can remember to say to yourself when you wake up, oh, look at that. Here I am again. I'm awake. Okay. Well, this is just my hormones. This is not a problem. It's okay. I'm just awake. Nothing's wrong with being awake in the night. I can go back mm-hmm. to sleep. And then, you know, my if you were to work with me my clients have tools that they can use to, to sort of take it from there, but it yep. starts with this sort of embracing wakefulness and and not being afraid of it.
1: So I love the embracing wakefulness, but you're saying don't go as far as you did. Sleep is for chump. Right. (laughs) Right.
2: I was avoiding it. I was tired and avoiding it. Like I was, I was like, I can remember being in the hospital having, you know, after both my boys and just like dying to go to sleep, but afraid to go to sleep because I was going to miss something. Someone would come in the room, the baby would do something and I would miss it. It was like a combination of FOMO and I don't even know what, but I just thought I needed to stay awake all the time and I just fought it and fought it and fought it. Yeah,
1: um, Okay. So paramenopause, this is supposed to happen. It's natural. A little bit of melatonin might be effective for women our age. And I know you mentioned that you're not a doctor, so maybe this is not for you. But do you have anything to say about a relationship between food and sleep or sleep and the microbiome?
2: Microbiome, no, although I've I'm really fascinated with that and I'm doing yeah. some reading on it because I do want to understand that better. <laughs> food, as far as timing, is important. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to be eating within two hours of going to sleep, because mm-hmm. then your body's working. Digesting, right? right? You're digesting. If you want to eat something, have it be like a banana, something with magnesium in it, something that's easy for your body to digest. You don't want like high sugar, or high protein, like stuff that's going to either like because sugar is just going to wake you up and the mm-hmm. protein is going to be hard for your, your body is going to go mm-hmm. to work on it. So things that are just really simple and easy for your body are a good idea. Yeah. And try not to have it be within two hours and caffeine really be careful with timing, like pay attention to nights that you feel not so great. And what time you had the caffeine, a lot of people can't, I can't have it after noon. Some people say two, three, like,
1: yeah. Early. Okay. What about people who are trying to retrain their body clock? So for example, I've got one client who's got a baby who wakes her up usually at 530, but she's like, "On the baby, when the baby does sleep, how can I train myself to sleep beyond that 530? And then I have another client whose kids are a little bit older and she's used to sleeping at nine, waking up at four. But now that her kids are older, she wants to spend more time with them in the evening. She wants to switch from a 1030 to 530. So basically yeah. both of these women are asking, how do I shift my body cloth?
2: Yeah. So this is Advice that I actually give my clients at the time change every six months because that's what's happening there too, right? Like we're yeah. forcing society into jet lag. It's like a lifestyle jet lag. And by the way, this is what happens if you sleep in um, every weekend. You're forcing yourself into what what is effectively jet lag every single weekend. Yeah, and it's why we have Sunday night insomnia. <laughs> you want to if you're trying to shift, like let's say you're trying to shift an hour. You want to do this probably over the course of like four to seven days. And you want to adjust your bedtime by 15 minutes every night until you're at your new bedtime. If you want to wake up earlier, it's the same thing, right? Or you can't really do that with, I'm confusing everybody now probably, but it, it depends on what your goal is. If you want to go to bed, earlier than you do it at night. If you want to wake up earlier, you do it in the morning because your bedtime, your bedtime doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your wake up time, right? Your wake up time is the most important thing. Keep it consistent every single day, seven days a week. Your bedtime should be tied to your drowsiness signals. And when you feel tired, because what happens if you're not tired and you just say to yourself, well, it's bedtime, I have to go to bed now, you go in there, you lie there, you stare at the ceiling, you get frustrated, and now you hate being in your bed and you're, you're telling your brain, it's like Pavlov's dogs, this is not where I sleep. So mm-hmm. then the next night you go in there and your brain goes, oh, this isn't where we sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And that becomes a problem. This is why some people can fall asleep, no problem on their couch in front of the TV. And then as soon as they get up and go in their bed, they're wide awake.
1: Well, that was someone else's question. She said, that's exactly it. She said she's exhausted. And then she says, she goes to the washroom, washes her face, lies down in bed. and she's Yeah. Yeah. So if that's you, make sure you
2: start your bedtime routine before you lie down on the couch or before you're watching TV, wash your face, get your PJs on, do everything. And then try not to let yourself fall asleep on the couch. As soon as yep. you start noticing head nodding, eyes drooping, if you're reading and you read the same line in a book over and over again, get uh-huh. yourself uh-huh. to bed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But don't like, don't mix up your routine that way because what's happening is she was asleep and then she goes and does that. And now she's in a hyper arousal state again. And of course you can't sleep.
1: Right. Right. There's nothing oh, wrong with you. Yeah. So good. Two people had questions about dreams. Their dreams are really intense and they wanted to know, is it possible to turn down the dream? So this
2: is not my area of expertise. However, mm. if you want to think of dreams as being the process of your brain creating memories, right? Like this is, this is what we think dreams are for. re Re-kind of experiencing emotional circumstances that we don't want to think about again during the day. Like we don't want to re-experience them, right? So we make a dream out of them and we create symbol, Like your dreams are always very symbolic, right? They're not, they're like, well, somebody was somebody else, and I don't, we yeah, were yeah, here, but right. it looked like there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's because our brains create memories in schemas. So they they create things in like a memory in shapes or in colors. Like, so like if you're creating a memory, something about an orange, like a the piece of fruit. It could be in a file cabinet in your brain of things that are orange, things that are round, things that are fruits, things that I like, Think, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's why your brain is like coming up with all these bizarre circumstances. So it doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. And again, you can be like, oh, okay, well, that's all that is, right? Yeah. If they're disturbing, there are some some sleep challenges and sleep disorders that have to do with like sleepwalking and night terrors and stuff like that you might Mm want to have a sleep study done for Mm -hmm. that kind of thing they also might want to look into something called lucid dreaming which is a process and I don't do this and I I don't offer it in my program but I think it's fascinating there are specialists who help you kind of become so aware of your dream that you can actually, your consciousness can say to you, this is a dream. I'm in a dream. I'm aware that I'm dreaming right now. Right. And it's calm. It's just calming for you. And you can sort of understand that like, this is okay. I'm safe. Nothing is happening. Mm -hmm. Also Mm -hmm. know that in that REM stage, our bodies are like close to paralyzed. We can't. And the whole idea is that we don't want to, uh, to be acting out our dreams. It's not safe. right? So right. our, everything is like brain activity at that point, but your muscles are like, like not, mm-hmm. you, you can't get out of bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So try not to worry that something is going to go wrong there either. And that's sometimes what people worry about, right? Like, Oh, it's so mm-hmm. real. It's so yeah. I'm going to get up and yeah. Unless okay. you're taking Ambien in that case, sometimes people do weird things with Ambien. Okay. Good yeah.
1: to know. Okay. What about medication? Nobody really asked about that, but I know that almost every woman I've talked to you about this at some point gets prescribed medication. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. So again, not a doctor. So basically, and if you look at my website, it says, you know, permission to sleep without pills, potions, and needing yeah. permission. I get, I'm I'm going to guess, of my clients come to me already taking at least one medication. Some of them Mm -hmm. want to come off it entirely. Some of them just want to decrease it. So we do in the second week go over, you know, what they're for, what they're successful with, what they're not. And it's mostly not. In study after study, most medications intended for sleep only showed an improvement of 20 minutes per night for the average person, which isn't really great. And it's a lot to be putting your body through for 20 minutes. People kind of get addicted to that idea that it, because it feels it gives you a drowsy feeling typically Mm -hmm. at the beginning that that's, what's helping me go to sleep, but it's not necessarily, it's what's probably happening is you're assigning all yeah. of the power of being able to fall asleep to the medication, you oh, yeah. stopped worrying, you are just calm.
1: And that's why you fell asleep. Totally. Yeah. But when I'm taking a pill, I'm like, I just want to outsource totally. to responsibility to something else. Exactly but what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they have a purpose. Like if somebody has just suffered a trauma or they have serious anxiety or something like that, and they just can't, do it without the, without assigning it to <laughs> yeah. someone else, yeah. then they have a purpose, but they're all, every single one of them all intended only for short term use. And the problem yeah. is they get over prescribed and people use them for far too long, or they take more than what their doctor suggested. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They all stop working after a certain amount of time. They almost all cause physical and psychological what's the word? Side not effect. addiction necessarily, but like you need more of it to Dependency. have it. dependence. Thank you. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of them have side effects that are really not great. A lot of them have a long uh, half-life, which means the amount of time that it takes to your body to metabolize half a dose. Some of them, some of them have a half-life of like, a day or two days, which means yeah. that if you take it again, the next day, you're effectively overdosing because your body's yeah. still working on the previous dose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: That so to you gotta be careful. Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay. The last question here is interesting. Cause this is the only person who mentioned other people and partners and how they affect your sleep. But yeah. she says that she and her hubby have habits of bringing their iPads to bed and it's hurting their relationship. It says, even if I don't bring my iPad, he is not willing to give it up. And then I'll just use my iPhone, which I need to have next to my bed because I'm on call. And then she says, and then also my pets wake me up at night. My husband snores like crazy. And I'm a kind of person who has a lot of worry. I really need help. Yeah. If you have anything for that person.
2: Yeah. So all of those things are separate things that we would work on like a piece at a time. Right. I, I don't right. think I have one piece of advice that I can, that would cover all of them. All that, However, yeah. yeah. However, like there's something that, that in the media gets called sleep divorce. And I think that's a terrible, terrible word for what is effectively two people moving to a different room to get the quality sleep that they need so that they can love each other and be kind to each other the next day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like none of us stood at the altar and said, I vow to lie unconscious with you for eight hours a night. Right. Like, but we have this, yeah, we have this thing that like, well, if it's a strong marriage, then I must sleep with my partner. Like that's, No, that is not true. That's a lot of drama. You may want to believe that and that's okay. And so therefore, if you want to believe that, and then there's things that you can do to work on it, right? There's earplugs, there's headbands that have like a Bluetooth speaker in them so that you could fall asleep listening to a guided meditation or something if your husband's Mm -hmm. snoring is bothering you. The iPad use like this is where I know it's her thoughts, right? Cause she's like, well, if I don't have mine and my husband has his, so I might as well just grab mine. Well, mm-hmm. no, that's like saying, well, my neighbor eats five chocolate bars every day. So therefore I need to okay. right? I may as well. She is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: So it's my phone is on my bedside table too, by the way, because my kids are at university and I want to make sure that if they call them the night, Mm -hmm. I can hear their call, but I do not flip it over. I don't look at the time. I also don't have a clock on my bedside table because it's not important to know what time it is. That's when you start doing math in the night and there's no math in bed, no math. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on there for her where she's like assigning instead of empowering herself to find her own solution, I think she wants to find like reasons for her insomnia, which is totally normal. And it's exactly what we do. Right. Right. But there's a lot that she could do with her thoughts to be like, okay, well, how do I want my experience of nighttime to be right? Do I want it to include my phone? Do I, knowing that it's probably keeping me awake and it's not just the blue light, by the way, like you can have all the blue light glasses that you want, but it's probably the stressful doom scrolling. It's the oh, yeah. like, what are you reading, and how is it impacting your brain and your stress level? That's the stuff
1: that oh yeah is really keeping you nothing relaxing happening on my phone right now. No, ever, <laughs> right?
2: Like I know yeah. exactly. So, so yeah, take a look at that. Don't be afraid to adjust sort of sleeping patterns if that if you're open to that. Like, there's just, there's so much. So much stigma, like people will say to me, like, I don't know what people will think about us if we sleep in separate beds. And I'm like, this is really hard, right? Like, this is just a challenging thing for people. But I know so many couples who whose relationships are better because they no longer sleep together because they're just not compatible sleeping partners. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, would I would much rather have a very positive, really rewarding 18 hours awake with my partner than yeah. eight hours frustrated because in somewhere in the back of my head I believe I need to lie unconscious with him for eight hours or conscious watching him sleep. That's even worse, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I I've been there, done that. I resented my husband for years because he's he was always a fantastic sleeper, and I'd be I made it all about like it's like not fair. It's there's some reason. as me. No. Yeah. Like you're not listening for the kids. Uh, it's all mm-hmm. my job. Like I was putting everything on me when really he was just giving himself permission to look after himself. And I wasn't, I was looking for permission, right? I was looking for him to give it to me. And he was just like, I'm just looking after myself over here.
1: <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. This is been amazing. I've learned so much, and I've you know done the reading that most people have done on this and I really have learned so much so thank you. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to say to all the women out there who are experiencing this and who feel a little desperate or who've resigned themselves and just never gonna sleep again yeah i I
2: want well a I want you to know that if it was possible for me, it's possible for anyone I really was a terrible insomniac for over 40 years and I am the world's most amazing sleeper now I literally don't give it a thought and the nights when I do have challenging sleep because I'm a human and it does happen I just I've learned to not make it a big deal like it's just I say to myself I'm a human I I don't sleep great some nights, it's totally fine. What that means is tomorrow night, I'm going to have like amazing sleep pressure built up, just which is kind of like thinking about it like hunger, right? If I don't mm-hmm. eat for a while, I'm going to be super hungry. If I don't sleep for a while, I'm going to be super tired. And I'll make really great use of that tomorrow. It's a, it's a practice. It's a practice of a way of thinking and a way of looking after yourself and a way of thinking about the rest and sleep that you deserve, that we're just not used to to giving ourselves or to offering ourselves. Right. And so please don't put it off. Please don't think that there's no hope for you. There really is. And like life is so great on the other side of
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Can you tell everybody how they can work with you?
2: Yeah. Thank you for asking. I, I still do some one-to-one coaching. I have a few spots open Some of the most of the time I have about five clients on the go at any given time. I also have a excuse me an online membership that involves group online coaching a couple times a week. It's called permission to sleep. And you can find out about that and pretty much like anywhere else that I am on the internet at janetwheland.com forward slash sleep. There's also a great worksheet on there that's called calm your racing mind at bedtime for the people who just can't kind of settle down. So if you're interested in that, you can just go there and download that. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Cool. I'll make sure both those links are with the interview. Thank you. Um, dude. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate your time thanks. and your expertise and knowledge on this so much.
0: Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. It was really fun. Okay. Do you feel totally different about sleep now? Dude. I thought I was pretty good at sniffing out my victim bullshit until I had this conversation with Janet and I realized that I was playing a total victim about my habit of waking up in the middle of the night. I was always thinking, oh God, I can't get enough sleep. And even worse, I would spend the whole next day going around telling everyone, well, I haven't slept. So, you know, anyway. I actually hired Janet after this interview, and I did her whole process of resetting my body clock, which is amazing, and I recommend it if this is a thing for you. But the biggest takeaway, honestly, was just watching my thoughts about sleep and realizing that this had been a total blind spot for me. So I really hope you enjoyed the interview, and uh, I'll see you next week. Hey dude, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you can get the next one. And by the way, if you rate and review this podcast, it really helps me get found by other people who need some goals, grit, and some woo-woo shit. And be sure to connect and DM me at Una Duncan on Instagram and let me know what you thought of the episode. Chat soon.